everyone, I'm back with another episode and we've got Lisa Jacobs on the show today. Apologies for the slight audio difference at the start here. I'm just recording this on the go and editing things on the go again. But this episode's a lot of fun. Lisa and I have been friends for quite a long time now, actually hung out a few times in person as well, although we live in different countries. And overall, I can't wait to get more of my friends on the show. It's been an absolute blast to have Bless and Lisa back already, and Ian too. So I'm really excited for you to hear with... (laughs) Completely tongue-tied as I'm doing this. Super excited for you guys to hear today's show. And don't forget to get your two free months of Skillshare by heading to skl.sh slash cfowlerdesign or use the link in the description. I'd highly recommend going and check out the new DKNG Productivity for Design course. You're going to learn a lot from that, well, from those awesome guys and illustrators over at DKNG. Get those two free months with skl.sh slash cfowlerdesign and on with today's show. You had like limited Wi-Fi as well for some reason. Yeah, but that was back when I was still living in Maastricht because my Wi-Fi was so shit that oh, was, sometimes yeah. I would just... I remember that I was doing a podcast with Jonathan from Logo Inspirations and I was super nervous and like it just cut out in the middle of the conversation. I was like, fuck me, seriously, why is this happening right now? But now I actually... Because I, I got two pop filters. I got this one that I got in the mail, I think, two days ago. That was just when you decided to text me and I got this one which is like yeah, that's what I got that's it's the like a, huge one but I like, gotta say this one works better though yeah I mean one's like a foam condom for your mic and the other's just a spit <laughs> shield like that's what we call it yeah. so welcome everyone back to the foul hour I was already recording that whole thing Lisa now no! as a true professional <laughs> <laughs> we have begun I hate to say it but welcome back to the Foul Hour today. I'm joined by the magnificent Lisa Jacobs, fresh off a trip from a birthday party by the signs of it, and with some decent audio equipment today. So Lisa, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you? You're not going to hate me for this, are you? Like, I'm not going to have to edit that out. I don't want to oh, edit that out. Oh my God. <laughs> That's completely fine. Do whatever, man. I trust you. Excellent. Cool. Right. So I'm going to edit your voice to sound like some creepy old lady. and. Oh. Oh, that would be cool. You know those clips where they like, um, what's the dude? Something cassette boy or something where he like takes words from different political parties things and clips it in together. And it's like saying things that they didn't actually say by mashing all the words together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just Shmayo say something. On YouTube does that all the time. Yeah. These are just, genius. Just, just like do something. Ones. Yeah. Just do something normal uh, and I'll edit it into something really horrible for you later. <laughs> yes, please do. That would be awesome. Okay, so for people who may not know, Lisa is one of my very good design friends, Um, and we've known each other for basically the entire time I was on Instagram, basically, so what, two years now? Over two years? Almost three years? Yeah, I think that was two and a half years ago now, because I remember it was very shortly after I started on Instagram, and that was in November, I think, November, October of 2017, so that was already quite quite a bit. So. Yeah, that's not good. Um, <laughs> and thank you very much. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so for people at home, Lisa, who may not know who you are, um, firstly, you should know who Lisa is. But for anyone who doesn't, what do you do, Lisa? Uh, so currently I am a, well, 
part-time freelancer, but I still work full-time at a virtual reality company as a designer. Um, but yeah, my history is basically that I, uh, I think I graduated like two, two years ago from design college and now I am doing the works, you know, living at large at a VR company and you're an Eindhoven, aren't you? Yes. Eindhoven, the Netherlands. Yeah. So kind of in the North of the country. Um, no, it's like the middle, man. It's, it's like middle oh, south. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Kind sorry, like I the my, south my more. bit mixed up. Yeah. Everybody just thinks hour. like, everybody thinks like, oh, Netherlands. Oh, then everybody lives in Amsterdam, right? So. Then, yeah, but it's also really funny because I went to Maastricht like the year you were in college and stuff, weren't you? And I was just wandering around Maastricht yeah, for two days. That was, like, yeah. hello, this is a weird city. That and was so weird. Yeah. We know each other now. Very strange. Yeah, because we didn't know each other when you were visiting my city. And looking back now, that's so weird. Because nobody ever really visits Maastricht. Everybody goes to Amsterdam or Utrecht, and that's it. So I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. Well, now I'm here, and now we're best buds, and you'll never be able to get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) Crap. (laughs) Uh, Great. So what I wanted to touch on kind of today, Lisa... Um, mm-hmm. you have basically, you, as you just alluded to and said, you, you're working at a VR company. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, it's, there's a lot more to it than just that, isn't there? There's a little bit more fun stuff that goes on behind the scenes at the company and what you guys get up to in the other meantime. But how did you get this role at a VR company and what does day-to-day look like for you? Because I'm sure there are people at home who would be very interested to hear what a as you put yourself on your profile, like an identity designer is working at a VR company doing. Yeah. So um, before I was doing that job, I was working at an agency somewhere in the South of the Netherlands, but I, for some, for like uh, several personal reasons, I wanted to move up to Eindhoven and uh, I started looking for a job there, but I didn't really want it to work at an agency anymore. I've had that experience and it's very cool. I learned a lot there, but um, usually when you want to do some freelancing next to that, then the agency never really uh, approves of that or they put in a contract that they don't want you to do that because you're basically being their competitor. And I get that. So I didn't want to do that. You a tiny single designer competing against an entire agency. (laughs) I couldn't imagine Uh anyway, but that's basically what was going on. So it's like, okay, I want to be an in-house designer for a really cool company. And then I came across this, uh, this vacancy for a designer at a virtual reality company. And as it so happened, I knew somebody as well at that company. And I knew that it was a very cool, cool place to work at anyway. So I just kind of, went there, uh, you know, for the, for the interview and it was, was really cool. And, uh, they were right at the stage where they wanted to have a new brand identity. So I could basically just take everything that they have and just rebuild it from scratch to how, like just completely new, basically do the whole strategic thing on a, on a big scale, uh, you know, completely brand new. So it wasn't like, okay, we have made all of this. This is our brand identity. And now you have to work for us and do that all the time. No, it was basically just building everything from scratch and really just kind of creating your own job, essentially, kind of. Yeah, so, it, sounds, yeah. it sounds like you were hired in 
kind of on the idea of we're going to hire Lisa to come in, sort us out, and then when she's built the system, she knows how to use it and you can teach other people how to use it. You can, because you know the inner workings. Because one of the things I hear about from designers who go in-house, um, particularly ones who work for either a massive corporation or work for a shop that is just getting their first set of designers in, is that sometimes the original identity that's in the company already is horrendous. It's messed up. It's misaligned. There's like no focus in it at all. So yeah. when you came in, did it feel really good to be able to kind of set that new foundation? Yeah, because, uh, well, basically my boss, he has the same background as I do. And he is very much open-minded to new ideas. And he's like, well, let's try this and see if it works or not and doing all of these things. So it's very much, a, um, I really like working with him because it's always like, you know, trying different things and um you know, let's, let's try this. And if it works, then we use up more and more times. And it's very much like, should we change that? Do you think that we should change it? We'll look for a new, new solution and we'll try that. You know, it's not like, okay, we've done this for, um, for the past couple of years and it worked for us. So we keep doing that. That's not how they work. And I think that that is really cool. Of course, you know, you need to be consistent with your brand identity, but once it's there, he realizes now as well as that it's really moving forward in a way but there it was really cool that you kind of started working there and as a designer you're being very critical with all the new things that you're being you know you know having in contact with in the, in the company so how the company looks visually and they were very much open-minded in that instead of being very defensive like you know you're new here calm down you know we're not going to change everything because they were very much open to change and that was really cool yeah especially looking towards a vr company you kind of have to be because vr is still yeah. so new um and it's still so expensive to get into and and have a studio for that kind of thing um so it's really good to hear that the team that you had going in were open to change i mean you'd probably find that amongst a lot of development development and programming teams but yeah, it sounded like a perfect fit when you first told me about it because we were talking about it before you'd even got there. Yeah. Um, and kind of figuring out, is this going to be a good fit? Are you actually going to enjoy working at a VR company? Yeah, because I, I think that that was mostly because I was coming from an agency. So I was very much concerned maybe about the um, variety of work that I was going to do. But that was actually, I think that that concern kind of faded away quite fast. I guess and that is because they're so open-minded and open to ideas. You kind of make sure you get that variety by yourself. You're completely responsible for that by yourself, basically. Yeah. And do you feel that now you're at this company that actually you are not just kind of stuck in one lane because you're the only designer, right? The a kind of graphic designer there, right? Right. Yeah. So um, we now have, um we have the idea that he's very because my boss is very uh, specialized in for example after effects and video editing and right he's a very good writer too so he's doing most of that stuff and i'm more uh, experienced with doing printing work and layout design and um just the branding stuff in general uh, also a little bit of after effects i'm doing most of that but i think we're kind of moving towards um at least that's what I've been told that we're moving towards a place where we're probably maybe in the future going to hire some new people who also have their own specializations. And that's when we're really going to um, shape a brand team that 
you know, take, takes care of the whole company as a whole. So it's going to be more big, basically. Yeah, do you, I see what you're saying there. So rather than having a bunch of people who are kind of um, generalists across the board, you're going to have right. people who are more specific to certain tasks. Do you think that's a better way to kind of build and just in general, like an agency out? Because we've we've talked about this in the past. Again, we've we've talked about um, collectives or agencies where people have their own special skill or their own specific niche or area that they work in. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the I assume at the in-house place you worked before, everyone was kind of more of a generalist, whereas here it's kind of the opposite. Well, the at the agency we all had uh, when I was working at the agency we all had special like spe specializations. Is that how you say it? I don't know. It is indeed. <laughs> but yes. yeah, but the thing is, at least what I've noticed from my own experience when I was working at the agency is that it was working at my advantage that I knew um, I knew little about a lot of stuff because that's how my education was shaped. When I was in college, so I knew um, the basics of web development. I knew the basics of video editing. I knew the basics of photography and film, film, filmography, whatever. <laughs> you know all of these things, and that really helped with communicating um, to other parts of uh, other companies or, or other departments because you can speak the same language, and therefore projects move forward much faster and easier. But it's always better to kind of niche down in your own field as well, because it'll make your, your, yourself invaluable for the company and your team. And, you know, so because there's nobody else that can do what you can do. And if they, if, it, if your skill is going to be very useful for that company, they don't want you to go and they can just replace you as well. So, I would suggest, you know, try to learn about things, but like the basics and then niche down whether you're a freelancer or working in-house or in an agency or whatever, because that's really, that's always really helpful to me at least. Yeah. And when something comes up, you're able to go, okay, well, I understand even if you don't do the work to like take your work and then hand it off to an animator, at least you understand the basics of what they're going to do. So you can kind of speak some of the language, which I think a lot of people miss. Yeah. It's like, oh, you want to work with a web designer on a uh, branding project or with a client project and kind of bring in a bit of extra cash for yourself, but you know nothing about web design. How are you going to articulate that to the client and how are you going to articulate the, the goals of the project to the designer, the web designer? It's like if you, if you don't have the basics, yeah. you're stuffed. Exactly. Because, for example, if you work in animation, there's a specific way you that the animator would like to receive the files to animate, which he gets from the illustrator, but not every illustrator knows that. So um, therefore it's very, you know, it comes in a lot in hand to know something of animation, like a little bit, or maybe even web development. If you're a UI UX designer of how to export, how the developer would like to have files, because that's also something that I got, as well from back when I was working at the agency, the web developers noticed a big difference in how files were received by me compared to my coworkers because I have basic knowledge of uh, coding and how um, websites work or how they work responsive, uh, to make them responsive and stuff. They noticed that it's not really how, how they got the files, but how I designed the thing 
because it was easier to make it responsive because I know how uh, different elements of a website should react to each other to make it responsive, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it's in these little things. If you know a little bit about different things, then that can be super helpful in the end. But generally, it's kind of better to have Niche. a specialization yeah. of some kind. Exactly. But to dabble in other things. Right. It'll exactly. Be it'll be interesting to see where this team grows to, because if that's the route they want to take, it'll be interesting how big the company's going to get before yeah. you reach kind of the point of hiring people who are duplicate skills. Um, so if you were to hire, I don't know, just speaking generally, again, a web designer, obviously you probably have people who can do that. But if you were to hire a specific web designer, then how long will it be until you end up having to hire two because the workload's too much? Um, because that's something I hear from other people in agencies is that the reason they like generalists is so that when the extra work comes in, they can hand off the basic stuff to these um, generalist designers or junior designers who can do the kind of the the mundane tasks, the repeat tasks, and then they hand it off to their specialist to wrap it up. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool that you're working at such a, a new, fresh company as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's always funny when I mention that I work for a VR company, then people are like, oh, wait, that's cool. What is that? Some some people are even like, what is that? But then I'm like, have you been living under a rock? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's really cool because we can also, we also get like the, when whenever there's new technology released in the virtuality industry, then we always get the new, the new stuff sent to us or we order it and it's and then everybody like gets around to play it or like see if we can use it to our advantage in some applications because people um when people think of vr they always think of you know just games or something that you it's just for gaming but it's it's i think it's really you know taking off where people are now realizing it like oh wait we can use it for a lot more than just entertainment and gaming and that's, I think that's cool. So well, I mean, one of the things I saw, I went to a kind of an open day at this local co-working engineering space. And one of the companies there is a, was a massive engineering company and they had a VR setup. And what mm -hmm. they were showing was the internals of a, it was a, it was a battleship gun turret, I think. Mm -hmm. And you could put the headset on and you could put your nose and your head inside this gun turret and you could see all the parts. Um, and they did an animation where they blew all the parts apart and you could spin them individually. Um, and oh, could, yeah. And That's they cool. said they said it was part of a training video. Um, yeah. So you'd use the, the handles, the remotes for the headset and you would just learn how to use the machine without physically being there because there are only so many of these machines in the world. There was only like 50 of them in the world and they're yeah. all attached to battleships. It's too expensive to train yeah. people on the actual thing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how they, uh, because we also develop trainings for people to uh, work with machinery or uh, like very specific machines, but also trainings for like safety trainings. Because often when you have to do safety trainings for people, you have to like go through the whole logic thing of getting people to one place with buzz and order transportation and the whole training, it costs a lot of money. And you have to do that every single time. But if you just have one training program on your computer, then you can just have, you basically take the training to the person and you can redo them all the time because you just have this one application. So for example, you can train them for like, I don't know, when there's a fire in the office, for example, 
or uh you know with, like you said with the machines how how it's done but we also do um like tours of because what what i always think is really cool uh, like an application of vr is for um like new real estate when they want to build something Ooh, or like a whole that's cool when they build a whole neighborhood but they want to they usually just sell the houses in advance before they start building but you can't walk around in the house so you make the house in vr so people really get a like a feel of how big the space is and the impact of the space on you which is you know it's, it's always been really hard when you see it on paper but now you can actually walk through the house and i think that that is really cool that we're actually moving to a place where where that is possible I mean, it's also going to be moving to a point where you'll be working at a, <clears throat> you'll be working at a VR company, and you'll be working from home with a headset on all day, and you'll just see your coworkers around you in your office. <laughs> that's that's what yeah. I'm predicting. Because <laughs> I actually have uh, like a VR glass, like VR glasses. I have them right here, and I remember when I first had them. I think that was three years ago. Now, there was once that I even got. Uh, a potential client through VR when I was in a chat room. I was just like, I was home alone for a night. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna see if someone is online in some VR room or whatever. And I was sitting around, like in VR, I was sitting around a table with other people that were having these headsets on. I think one was from London, one was from, I think it was San Diego or something, or New York, and someone else from, I think somewhere from Asia. And we were just all talking and this one dude was, uh, I think a web developer for all these like new real estate projects. He was like, oh, are you a graphic designer? Show me your work. And then we had this, in VR, we had this giant screen on the right that was like a presentation screen because you could also use these for like meetings, these, these type of chat rooms. He was like, oh yeah, that's cool. Well, let me, uh, you know, give me your contacts. Maybe we can work together on some projects because I need some help with some, like some graphic help. I was like, well, look, I can even now get clients through VR. That's weird. <laughs> that's like probably, be... yeah, that's the weirdest way that I ever got a potential lead, but it was Come really on. cool. Shaking yeah. hands in VR to sign the deal and you're just like wafting your H- like HTC Vive remote at people. <laughs> Being yeah. like, yes, I will sign this digital contract. It's going to get to that point. You'll be like <laughs> swapping business cards in VR. It's like, what? why? Why does this exist? <laughs> but that's i don't think you told me that story of getting a client in vr that sounds insane i I, I never did but i i don't think i don't know what happened but it never got to anything but it's still funny though yeah it's still funny though to be be like going because all these vr chat room videos are always like her funny moments in a vr chat room and it's like some anime waifu characters just running around being (laughs) stupid or like the knuckles thing like years ago but um the fact you can actually kind of use this stuff for business is hilarious. And more more to the point of your comment saying that when you get the new tech in, everyone plays and has a go. Um, the work culture, particularly, well, just for Dutch people in general and your workplace and work-life balance and ethos all around that, is it so, so much more relaxed <laughs> than everywhere over here and like all of the people I talk to in the States. And I saw an article the other day that was like... Um, you'd be hard pressed basically to find a Dutch person who's like, oh, I wouldn't want to work eight hours a week. Why would I do that? I want to go and lay down and watch movies and see my friends and all that type of stuff or something. Yeah, that really depends on um, 
where you are, I think, in the Netherlands, because I think it's like everywhere, like every country in the world, it's when you live in the capitals or the big cities, that's where um, there's more stress, there's more work pressure and all of these things. So a lot of people that work in Amsterdam, I think that they have, like, they work a lot more over hours and feel a lot more pressure than uh, probably the people that, like the city that I work or worked before before I moved so but I think that we have it's more because we have more I think more laws that protect us as um you know as employee employees so but yeah I mean my um my industry or at least the design industry communications industry as well they don't have um a general regulation for for anything to protect us. So, whereas other industries, a lot, like most of the other industries do. So there's still a lot of, um, you know, exploitation happening, especially in agencies in the Netherlands of designers and of um, uh, people working in communications and, and that kind of stuff. But I think it's still less than probably other countries in the world. I think, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's always come across that I'm not saying, oh, Lisa's being lazy. She's not going to work and work until she dies. But <laughs> it, it's more of a case of like the the ethics and the ethos you have around work-life balance is considerably more towards like life side than it is to work side. Not in kind of, I say, not in like a lazy kind of way, but in more of a, um, there needs to be balance, actual balance. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the person because I yeah. there are a lot of people, though, and like burnouts and just stress and all of that kind of stuff is a big topic here in the Netherlands because a lot of people are, are you know, suffering from that. So it's not like there's no pressure. It really depends on the person and the company because I've worked at different companies now so far in my career and I've met different people and different situations where... I could either easily burn out or, you know, be completely comfortable, basically. It really depends on the workplace and the industry that you're working in. I think that that's really, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not really like an overall thing. It really depends on where you work, I guess. Interesting. Cool. So speaking of working, we, um, well, maybe not working, but more, more towards the side of communications there you go there's my segue um we talk a lot about talking to other designers and having um making sure we've got kind of friends in the design community we talk to each other quite a lot we also talk to other designers quite a lot we've got a quite a tight-knit design group um around us and i know you do as well and i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that because lots of people i'm seeing online are um more leaning towards this idea of they're they're lonely they don't know um where to find people to talk to or hang out with they are struggling to find to get feedback on their work that is actually like genuine feedback rather than just a hey that looks cool or hey that looks bad um and i've noticed this a lot since obviously we've been talking considerably more in the last six months or so Mm -hmm. um what a difference it makes to actually have people around you who care and also are your friends and you do things and talk about design, but you also do other things too. Um, 
and I, I don't know, I don't really know what I wanted to ask about this or talk about this, but it was more of a general thing of what do you think about this idea of, oh, you, you can have your online community, but you also need to have actual friends too. Like, come on. I mean, it, 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 why does it have to be a separate thing? I met you guys in That's real true. life. So it really depends on how far you want to take it yourself. Because I have friends that aren't in design and that's completely fine too. I think it's great to, you don't all, only need friends in design, but um, you know, getting friends through these platforms in design doesn't mean that they just have to stay online friends. Because in the end, last year, I went to London twice to meet you guys like you and and Lydia and Mark and and uh, Michael, you know, Fuchs Trader, for those who don't know. But uh, and that that kind of made it all tangible in a way, you know. So it's it's not just online anymore. At least it's not to me. And yeah, why should it be? Right? Do you think it, do you think that's made a difference though? I think so. Yeah. It because I feel like in a way when I was doing most of the Instagram it you know the whole Instagram thing it's not very you know when you have a following or whatever it all seems in a way um like it's it's not real in a way because the number is high but you don't see the people in real life in a way but then you go to an event like that and people actually walk up to you like Harry, Lisa, I'm following your work. And that's great. I was like, oh, wait, these people are actually real. <laughs> like, they're actually real people following me, you know? And that's, I think that that is really cool, though, because, you know, that it's actually people watch, really watching your work. And that's, that's actually cool. having people follow your work and fans of your work and, and engage with you as a person. Yeah. And I, I agree. I, I, I'm I'm kind of just pushing that idea of more of I think it's just as important to have a close knit group of friends whether you either talk to them like we're doing now over over Zoom or something like that um and the benefits of having a tight knit group because I send you design work literally all the time um I mean I'm doing a thing at the moment where I'm trying to make a logo or something design wise within an hour each day um and I sent you one a couple was it probably a couple of weeks ago now um, mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, here's some F letter logos. And you were like, Connor, do you not see the problem with this F letter? And I was like, <laughs> Lisa, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. I know what you're going to say. Don't say it. And yeah. So what was that about, huh? Honestly, it really was. <laughs> the comment had to be made. Looking looking back in tw with 2020 vision, I'm now like, oh, yes, this is a problem. <laughs> I think everyone is really dying to see this mark right now. Oh, it's not being published anywhere. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that was a risky game, but that's what we are for, right? Yeah, but what, what, did, what did it look like? Come on. You, you can't, I can't be like, you were sat there good, just sending me messages like, do you not see it? And I'm like, yes, but don't. <laughs> <laughs> If you are even scared of the thing that I'm going to say, that should be enough That's for you very true. to be like, yeah. nope, nope. So I, nope. I designed this logo and I was like, this is a really cool idea. This is such a nice rotation. It's really cool. And then it's just immediately a swastika. And I'm like, excellent. Fabulous. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so annoying though, isn't it? Like I, this conversation, I don't want to dive too far into it, but it's, 
the idea that okay you want to do anything with rotation with like rectangles or, or 90 perpen degree perpendicular things anything like that at all it's like immediately swastika i'm like great that's just ruined a whole section of options forever it's like fabulous <laughs> i didn't even tell i didn't even tell you until now but i actually took that image from um uh from you and sent it to marcus you know, who's German. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. I just sent it to him hey, without any comments <laughs> and just see what he says. And he was like, yeah, that's the SWAT <laughs> I was like, well, thank you. I sent that Jeff of, of uh, that office guy, like, thank you. <laughs> I mean, of course, Marcus would say that, like, <laughs> as, as the German in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. But, this is the, <laughs> but this is the point. This is what I'm trying to get at, is that having design friends like this, where you, you're you not just kind of exchanging a, hey, your work looks good, da 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 It's like actual meaningful things. Because, like, I, I'm i not... With this type of work I'm doing, I'm like, I'm vetting it against other people who have different opinions, yeah? You're, you're sharing these things with other people, and it's really good to do that, because then you, obviously, seeing a swastika and everything is a bit of an extreme case, but even just like, oh, maybe you should tweak this, or maybe you should change that. Having people in your life that can actually help you do that, I think, is has helped me a lot. Um, yeah. And I think it's definitely changed the way you've worked as well, because we've been talking about your work as well. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing also with Instagram and Dribbble and, and all of these things. I mean, I love these communities that they're always so positive and optimistic, but I think you really need to make connections on these platforms as well if you really want to have that group of people that give you valuable feedback that is also critical because everybody is always like, I love your work and it's amazing. And that is great. I love that. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes at least for when you at least want to prove, like try your work out on different areas or at least test it for like what people think, then it, at least it's great to have a, at least some group of people that you can show it to and that can give you like criticism, like, Good criticism. You, you're saying you want to be yelled at, Lisa. That's what you're saying. Hell yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're someone to come and you be like, what the fuck? Hate, hate me. No, I actually talked about this with another uh, Instagrammer uh, yesterday. Because... I thought you were going to say podcast because I was like, you don't go on any other podcast, Lisa. Like, you're my guest. That's it, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a podcast. No, just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, I was talking to someone else about different topics uh, on Instagram that are being discussed. But it's all—it's more like people are teaching what they, uh, you know, things that they should be doing to get more followers, to get more comments, to get more engagement, to produce better content, and all of that stuff. But nobody ever talks, or at least not the ones that usually make the carousels. I know that Tom Ross talks about um, also being like uh, more vulnerable to your audience and, and that kind of stuff. And that is, I think, stuff that we also need to talk about because um, especially in our community, people are constantly being super perfectionistic. And it's, it's really just a destructive pattern of, you know, that eventually leads, or at least it led to me to not posting for one and a half years. 
well, it's it's an un- unachievable thing. So I think that people need to talk about that a little bit more as well. Not? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, it's also the fact that, it, as as we've talked about before, we we've we've talked about Instagram carousels at nauseum, like just between me and you. Um, and John Bresciani brought up a a post on Twitter. I can talk about it because he put it on Twitter. But he was saying that he's so tired of looking through Instagram now because there's nothing there that inspires him. There's nothing there that's making him think critically or be visually inspired by what is being made. Um, yeah. And I think he's making an interesting point. And obviously, I, I go just to wrap up what you were saying about Tom Ross and being vulnerable and being authentic... Um, I was talking to Sam Gwilt like literally half an hour ago about the same thing, which is where do you draw the line between creating and sharing good work, which is like the professional side, mm. and where do you kind of say, oh, we want to be vulnerable, we want to be like ex- exploring and and sharing um, issues and feelings about mental health and all this type of stuff. And I think you're right in that it's important to show that side, it's important to discuss it, but where do you draw the line? Where do you kind of just put carousel content or do you just like informational educational and then when do you put design out and john john's tweet just kind of made it up for me which is that he's not this is how i felt for a long time is that i just don't see anything on there there's nothing encouraging me to open instagram like if i want to go and look at christo's educational stuff i will literally just go once a week and read through all his posts in about exactly five yeah. minutes i don't need to be checking it every day i'm not ex- I'm not excited to see what's coming next. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing is that the only carousels, at least for me right now, that I'm following is uh, from Tom Ross, Chris Doe. And, you know, you have these, uh, I think there's there's another one. I know The Circle and some other. You're following Janda. Michael Yanda. How? Michael Yanda, Michael Janda. No, I don't follow him. I don't okay. know who that is. That's okay. <laughs> I have to look him up. I have to look him up. But, uh, and I've been, you know, basically kind of getting rid of all the other stuff. Because I feel like, and this is very hard for me to say, but I feel like a lot of, I think everybody agrees with me anyway, but I think a lot of people were just posting these carousels because we're out. they're out of inspiration to post anything graphic. Because these were all graphic designers that like initially started posting these carousels. And I get it, but I'm not asking for your advice. Like, <laughs> that's that's kind of the thing. And, you know, most of the... I know that most of my following is all graphic designers. Um, so I... And, you know, most of the carousels that we're putting out was about how to, you know, improve your brand and all of that kind of stuff. But most of their following as well were just graphic designers. So they were maybe only trying to improve their own brand, but I don't know. It's like, oh, especially because I don't, because that's the thing with our industries that I love is that people can get into this industry without any education. They can, you know, experience, uh, make their own experiences and learn their own skills um and then grow and eventually become a full-time freelancer i think that that is awesome in our industry that we can do that but there are a lot of um you know starting designers on instagram as well who are posting these carousels when they have not experienced any of these things themselves yet 
And that is where I'm kind of like, okay, it's great that you're putting this content out there, but this other person already did this. So I'm pretty sure that you just kind of like recycled their content into your own feed. And you probably don't really have a lot of experience with the thing that you are preaching right now. So it's kind of like, you know, it's not, it's not for everyone, but I noticed it for some designers that that is probably what's going on. I don't know if that's very yeah, no, I agree. Virtual of me to say. No, it's not. That's literally, I've been talking about this. We've been, well, we've been talking about this behind the scenes for like six months. Like it's not. Yeah. Um, and as I've discussed on solo episodes in the past, we've, we've talked in the past about um, the previous trend, obviously, which was just a case of um, doing sketch work and doing grids and doing all this type of stuff. And you, it did become to the same level where mm. you would see people who clearly don't understand the benefit or the system or the process behind it, what they're seeing is the literal visual thing in front of them. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same case here. So it just to reference the the sketches and grid stuff of what people may not know and would be, okay, let's, I make a logo using a square grid or maybe I use parts of the golden ratio to do X, Y, and Z, maybe put some grid lines on to show how the design was constructed. People who have experienced that and understand that system, they can go, okay, well, I see how Connor or Lisa have made this and why they've done it. But after a while, we started to see people just putting shit online um, who were just putting lines over the top of every line. And it made no sense. There was no there was no maths there. There was no process there. There was no actual design thinking behind it. They, what they're literally seeing is, oh, Connor put lines on his logo. I'm going to do that too. Yeah, and we're exactly. seeing we're seeing the same thing with the carousel stuff, which is, oh, um, Chris Doe or Tom Ross or some other person posted a thing about, um, I don't know how to do a client sales call. I'm just gonna literally take that copy and that layout and just repost it in some different colors with some slightly different stock images, and it's the same thing, um, and it's a case of yes, there will always be people like this. There will always be people who read Harry Potter and then write a wizard book. Like, that's just always going to be the case. But yep. it's starting to become frustrating. And as I say, by our opinions and John Brashani's opinion, she can see on Twitter, is that it no longer inspires you to make things. Which yeah. is the whole point of Instagram in the first place. The whole point of Instagram in the first place was it's a visual first platform to show visuals that are engaging and encourage you to be like, I want to go outside and take a picture. Yeah, exactly. I think that... Like the carousel thing, by the way, is also already kind of out. I think every anyone in the design industry is really done with these things and people are really taking on that. So I feel like I, I, I've been seeing them less and less and less though, except for on these platforms that were initially posting them anyway. So before this was even a trend, they mm -hmm. just keep doing that and they should. Um, but the rest of them, they're just kind of like, quit doing that overall and i think that's good i'm really curious though what the net next trend is going to be i don't know if you have any ideas on that i think me and you have similar ideas which is that greg davies put something out the other day um maybe of well it's a few probably a month ago before christmas mm -hmm. now he put out a similar carousel effect case study so imagine bay uh, bayhance projects where you scroll down but instead of scrolling down you scroll sideways so it's it's yeah. the same 
it's the same kind of effect. It's just getting more content into one post. That's where I see things going next. I also see much more video content coming in. Um, but I'm I'm not bothered. Like I'm so I'm so done with Instagram, Lisa. I'm like so done. Um, I feel you. <laughs> just like I've I spent two and a bit years putting all this effort into it, and I know I could put more time into it. I know. Um, you can just pivot it and change the content strategy and do this and do that. And it would, it would be great. Um, but I, I'm struggling more and more to see that there are actually clients who I want to work with on Instagram. I think there are very few of them. I think the vast majority of them will be looking on places like Behance, Dribble, and LinkedIn. Um, and the fastest way to actually get clients is to network with them rather than using Instagram, which is at this point in time, um, a carousel machine. It's a, a reposting of TikTok's machine. Um, and we've gone from Instagram being kind of this very visual inspiration heavy field and and feel an app to a place where people are just, how do I put this politely? Just putting things out there that are shit. Yeah. I was talking about this with someone else last week. Um, oh, and don't you know, provide any these... value. That's it. That's the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, because uh, I, I like I think a lot of designers as well are in these uh, engagement groups where people oh, just those have never worked. Those yeah. people talk about them all the time. They used to, you exactly. Wanna, you want to know what they're called? They were used to be called Instagram pods. They used to be called dolphin pods or like engagement pods. Like, yeah, it's existed since I was first on Instagram. It's stupid. It doesn't work. Yeah, so someone um, stop doing it if you're in one. <laughs> someone messaged that, like, put a message in there, like everybody needs to be online on this and this time when everybody's posting, and then we all need to reserve one hour to like everybody's post that is hey posting in this group. Please, I was please like, turn notifications on. And then I was, you see my post. Then I was like, okay, uh, you know, because the whole Instagram algorithm right now is like you have to be online and engaging with your audience all the time otherwise nobody sees your post and otherwise you have to pay ads on to like have people see it and i'm like where are we going as a platform where we either have to be online constantly to get some views on our work or have to pay for people that follow us to actually see it there is no value for me it's not a two-way value stream for me at least I know that some people view this differently, but to me, it's like, yeah, we're kind of moving away from a platform that is valuable to me. It's more valuable to them than it's to me. So yes, I, I will keep posting on Instagram, but I feel like I will be more engaging probably on Dribble or Behance because that's kind of the place where people are moving to. And that's at least from you know the inquiries that I got the better or more valuable inquiries I always get from Dribble, though. I don't know how your I don't you don't have I think a lot of experience on with inquiries on Dribble just yet because you're saying like I'm gonna get more on Dribble now, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I mean, I've had some experience with Dribble. I I started using Dribble when I first started, but um, I hadn't posted. I checked my posts and I hadn't posted on Dribble in a year. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, no, that's not good. Um, so I've scheduled like, I have like 36 posts scheduled on Dribble now. Um, so we're coming Holy for Dribble shit. hard. We're going hard. Holy um, shit. Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> yeah, it, it depends what your motive is. Because 
Some people prefer the Instagram platform. And personally, the more I spend time on it, the less I'm enjoying it and the more bloated it's becoming. Um, you only have to go through Instagram stories to see how many hundreds of different filters there are for Instagram stories now, um, how many hundreds of different features they keep adding. We've gone from having um, like a rewind, like boomerang type effect to mm -hmm. a normal video to having like all these Instagram ones, all these custom filters, GIFs, stickers, um, donation buttons, quizzes, polls. I'm like, I get it. Like I get this community, but I just, I don't see... If a client, if I'm wanting to find clients, and that's my goal, my goal is to find clients and slowly build a community and audience around that, <coughs> excuse me, um, to build an audience around that over time, then I should be focusing on where those people are because I just don't see the long tail in Instagram. I don't, I don't see it anymore. And I know people who sell products, people who sell books, um, people who sell coaching courses or coaching workshops or whatever it's going to be, they do really well. I mean, Tom Ross is a great example. Tom has a um, very successful business and he does coaching on the side. Um, mm. So by having an audience, he gets more um, clients for his business, as in customers for his business. And yeah. then he also does coaching privately on the side as well. So he does really well there because his goal is to get more customers for his business and as an added bonus, does a bit of extra work too for himself. For Chris Doe or Michael Janda, for example, they, uh, or Jonathan Stark for that matter, they sell products, digital, physical, books, videos, courses, online, everything like that. And their goal is to build an audience to sell those products to. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas my perspective and also your perspective, I believe, is that, I want to share great work to get clients and to network with clients and then on the side, build up an audience for an email list or for my dribble following or maybe one day if I make a product, then those people will be interested. But it's not my main goal. And I just see Instagram shifting towards this like, I must have the audience and I have nothing to sell them. Yeah, that's kind of, I guess, where, where everything is going as well. Yeah, because there are a lot of people who see... I feel like a lot of people who are at least new to the Instagram game, they see Instagram as like the almighty platform to grow on. They don't know the history, Lisa. And, they don't know yeah, the timeline. The, the people that have already been there in the design community for a couple of years now, they are slowly moving away. So it's either like a new generation type thing that is coming up and the rest is kind of moving away. Or I don't know. That's, I feel like that's kind of a stream that's happening right now but can be sure you seeing more people move away then like you people are talking about it more yeah they're all like retiring from it <laughs> <laughs> oh you're making me feel so old and we're like the same age i hate this oh, hate it yeah. but um yeah i agree i think it's one of the things i said and um, this is something I kind of stand by is when you start teaching something, when you start teaching people how to make something, it's done. Like the trend is over. Like at that point you've reached the peak and it's coming back down. Like that's it. Yeah. Because the second you show the secret source, everyone's going to start doing it. Or at least there are going to be more people to do it. So this is something Gary Vee talks about where he's like, 99% of you will not do this thing, but 1% of those people will. 
And then eventually that will turn to 2% and 3 and 4 and 5. And as it ticks and ticks and ticks over, more and more people will do it. It will become flooded and oversaturated as we're already seeing, and then it will crash. And my prediction still holds true. I'm not changing it. I think by the end of Q1 um, this year, so by like end of March, this trend will be over. That's my prediction. I think it's already kind of over, kind of. I mean, I've, I've been seeing them less. Maybe it's because I've been unfollowing the yeah, people exactly. who are selling themselves. <laughs> that's, that's why. I was going to say, like, oh, I've been seeing them less. Yeah, that's probably because you've unfollowed them, Lisa. Or you've just blocked them. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I should have I should have seen that. Every time Sorry. Instagram's like, hey, you might be interested in this post, you're like, not interested. Stuff you. Bye. No, yeah. yeah. I, I get it. It's, yeah. So what are you focusing on then with your content? Because you've been posting again on Instagram, but you've not been doing carousel stuff. You've not been doing educational stuff. So what have you actually been doing? What are you wanting to focus on? Yeah. So people used to know me more of the like the three-part grid that I did on Instagram where I was like, okay, this is sketch, this is a grid, and this is the eventual logo. But Same. what causes yeah, exactly. But what causes that is that people are knowing me for just making logo designs. So the only inquiries that I got were just logo designs and no actual brand identities. So what I wanted to do was kind of change all of that to give basically the logos and the work that I did a little bit more context. So people would actually be like, oh yeah, she just, she doesn't just make logos. She makes entire brand identities. Um, And you know, I'm not, using I don't want to use my platform to um, educate other designers as I don't feel that it is my place to do that and I I enjoy you know maybe you know giving people advice or feedback one-to-one but I don't feel like I am the person to like publicly teach people unwanted advice probably (laughs) I think that's kind of what I wanted to do. I feel like it would take up a lot of time that I could use to spend on the things that would actually be more valuable to me in the sense of, you know, lead generation and gaining clients and that kind of stuff. I think for me, at least there would be more valuable spending my time on that. And there is already great content out there from the future and Tom Ross and all of these people that are teaching the design community I think I would just be adding to the noise if I would use my platform to teach other people. So I consciously chose not to do that. So. Oh, you've made a conscious decision. Hell that yeah. makes it that <laughs> makes you sound like some kind of oracle. Like I have seen the light. I am the oracle. I am the future. <laughs> I am the past. I am Neo. I am the force. No. I have not seen the new Star Wars. Don't don't I've, I've no. seen everything but the new movie. I may like. What I don't does know, that mean? <laughs> yeah. I I finished Mandalorian yesterday. Oh, I see. Okay. So now I'm I've, all up to speed. I've still not seen that. I'm quite excited to see that. But man, I don't want to talk about movies. We're not here to talk about movies, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, yes. and yeah. So focusing on on dribble and looking more towards that, I'm. Well, actually, no, that's not what I wanted to ask at all. On your website, Lisa, we've had this discussion. You've started putting your stuff into actual service-based packages and processes and things like that. Hell yeah. And (laughs) again, we've been talking about this for a while of like, do you just say, 
my job title is Lisa Jacobs, logo design and brand identity and layout and bit of web and X, X, da, 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 da. Or should you just put kind of packages on your website and say, this is roughly what these things are. And then the furthest end of that is, should you just put the prices on there? Yeah, I think it really depends on the person, like what type of person you are and what type of person you're probably reaching out for. Yeah. Because I am not currently niching into any type of business. So um, for me, I wanted to make it a little bit more general, but a lot of people who are searching for, that's the thing, you know, when I was talking, when I was just talking about people coming up to me for just logo designs, they have no idea, you know, because when people start a business, they're like, you need a logo design. And then they go ahead and ask a ton of people to make their logos. but they are completely forgetting the whole context around the logo that is just as important as the logo itself or maybe even more important. They're completely forgetting about that. And that is the educational part, at least a little bit of the educational part that I do is to try to educate them on what process would probably fit better with them and why that is. Um, And that is basically what the branding packages are for. So I can basically educate them on, listen, I know you're asking me for a logo, but I have a much better option for you. And to, to help them really get the, get a professional basis on, on all of these things. And then like, you know, price wise, I, I feel like, you know, what I said before is that I feel it's a very weird at least I would be freaked out if I was going to a website and I see all of this information, but uh, having not had, like not have had a real conversation with the person behind it. And I just see this big, scary number having no idea what, what type of person I'm work going to be working with. So I felt like, okay, I'll probably just want to have uh, at least to have a conversation with this person first to at least know that it's a good fit because that's, I think, one of the most important things before I give them a price. Otherwise, they have all of this information, uh, maybe even questions left and this big scary price on their screen and they just kind of like go away. So that's kind of how I feel most people would probably view these things and that's why I haven't put a price on my website. Maybe it'll change in the future because it's kind of an experiment, but that's where I'm at right now. So Yeah, because the packages thing is interesting because many people would say, well, you must diagnose your client and they must have an individual prescription. It's like, yes, that's very true. You are quite <laughs> correct. Everyone should, yeah. everyone should be diagnosed individually. Yes. However, yeah. if I don't make apps, if I don't make signage, if I don't design websites... Why would I even bother having, like, what's the point in giving them, you can give them the diagnosis, but there's no point lying about it. There's no point being like, oh, okay, well, you need a website designed. I can see that from our conversation. You're telling me you need a logo. I'm going to do the polite thing that an actual doctor would do and refer you to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Um, Yeah. And this this is the thing I've run into, because I think your packages idea is a really good idea of being like, these are the services I can provide. If, yeah. if the things on here don't resonate with you at all, then obviously there's no point getting in touch. But if you're unsure, let's have a conversation about it. Because if they, as you say, just want 
we just need a logo. That's never the case. Literally never the case. So, exactly. Yeah. Because that's but, the thing as well with, with the packages is that at least it's a big argument that I've, because I've done a lot of research on why people wouldn't choose for packages as well. And why that is, is, you know, people are being like, yeah, every business is different. Every, just like every person is different. So everybody needs an, another approach, but the basis of a brand identity can be, or at least the process, um, the general process is always in some ways the same for every single company. Like you need, uh, eventually you're going to end up with a logo, uh, colors, fonts, maybe a photography style or an uh, iconography style. Those are all the things that you need for a company. It doesn't matter what kind of company, but the process is tailored for every company. But what you end up with is the same thing. So yes, the packages are like seemingly are the same, but they are tailored still so that they fit. So that argument really makes no sense to me in, yeah. in a way. So you're talking about the basics, the foundation of X, Y, and Z. So yeah. <clears throat> if you're going to make a brand identity for someone, it's going to include these basics and then yeah. we'll have a discussion about the rest to see if there's anything else you need. Exactly. Because a lot of these branding packages, they also cover like social media templates, uh, business cards, um, letterheads and all of that kind of stuff. But if, you, for example, you're a local business or you, you are a fully digital based company or working remotely, then maybe you don't need half the stuff that is in this package. And that is why it's tailored to have like the basics. And if you need some extra stuff, um, there are other packages where we can like have a tailored invoice for those but the basics that you need are in this package and that fits to everybody basically that's yeah. at least my my view on these things yeah well an another analogy for this is that if you have a recipe for something to make a loaf of bread you need x y and z ingredients they're <clears throat> they're going to be the same the entire every time you make it those ingredients will always be the same but what exactly, will make yeah. it different is the spices you put in is the i don't know if you were to put fruit in it if you were to put nuts in it or anything extra that's what you're talking about you're saying okay well i'm going to list these basic ingredients that form this identity or a logo or whatever it's going to be and then add on the bottom as a kind of extra sentence we may change or add other ingredients. We may change or add, depending on what you need. Yeah. Some people love chili and tomatoes in their bread, for example. Yeah. yeah. But if you hate spice, why would you need that? Or why would you want that? So I, I think I, well, I definitely agree with you that you've got to start somewhere. And if I'm a consumer, if I'm a potential client and all I see on your website is Lisa, the brand identity designer and some case studies um, if you, and then a contact page, which is what most agencies have, mm -hmm. what am I supposed to think? I'm just like shooting into the wind. Like the, this, this designer, I have no idea what information they need from me. I have no idea really what services they provide. I have no idea what the rough, even rough ballpark figure number is, because this is something I talk about and have been, we've talked about a bit, which is that I've, I'm trying the one step further from you or will be trying the one step further from you, which is I will be putting a minimum level of engagement on my services. So I'll be doing, um, I don't know, this is not worked out yet, but to say like a logo design starting from X price. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. starting from just a spitballer number, let's keep it easy. So if I say logo designs start from a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars, but by saying starting from, it means that someone can still see the rough level they need to be at, but they're not deterred by being like, oh, I'm just going to buy this off the shelf. That's still going to be tailored to them too. But aren't you like afraid that when you put like a starting off price that maybe you get like when you go through the whole process of uh, onboarding a client and you give them the invoice and you had a starting off, let's say 2K on a website, for example, and then you put you give them the invoice that eventually says 3K and that you're going to get the question of why is this 3K? when the starting off price is 2k like what reasons would you give them for well, example well before you've even started that you wouldn't even get to the invoice point i would literally be on the phone with them and say okay well you've got in touch about this thing which is good because i'm glad you see the potential things you need based on my diagnosis of and the symptoms you are presenting and the problems you are having and the goals that you have whilst you've got in touch with me for this it may be better to go down this direction, follow these different assets, these different ideas, and that will cost around this number. And it would be, let's, so if they've got in contact for something that's, as you say, like 2,000, and I would say, well, it's probably going to be somewhere between 3,000 and 5,000. And mm-hmm. then, they, then, as you say, they'll probably come back and say, well, that says starting from two. Why is it three? And I'm like, okay, well, this is the reason why. There's more risk. You've got a bigger company. Yeah, you want it done in a shorter timeline. Um, there are extra assets or research we have to do that are not listed as the standard. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, <laughs> I just wanted to know what, like, how you would react to a question like that. Because that's yeah. sorry, go on. No, I I think because that's I think at least that's why I wouldn't personally do that is because I would probably get these questions and yes, though you should be able to answer them with answers like these but i know that some designers might be uncomfortable answering them in that way maybe I don't yeah know. <laughs> yeah totally it's, it's difficult to talk to people on the phone it's difficult to even write that in an email um i'd mm-hmm. say it's harder to write that in an email because you're the person on the other end will just get it and be like oh they're just trying to fob me off but if you sit as i've done multiple times i was on the phone with a paralegal who was calling me for their boss um, which ended up, I don't think, going anywhere. But the they got in touch and they were like, this is what I think we need. And by the end of the call, I'd like tripled their budget. We'd figured out all the problems they've got and they know it's going to cost more than they originally thought and why. And this mm-hmm. the, the lady on the other end of the phone was like, this is amazing. You've been so helpful in comparison to everyone else I've spoken to. Yeah, so even though they were shopping around and I'm charging them more, or would have charged them more. Yeah. They still went ahead with it, which is which is the whole yeah. the whole thing, which is why I'm obviously that was before I started putting like starting from prices on my website, but the point of that is that when someone comes at you with a money question like that, you just have to make sure you've covered all your bases beforehand, which is why I would never put on these packages um a logo design costs $1000. Yeah, because yeah. you just you're just screwing yourself over and I mean, again, we've talked about your other question you brought up to me before, which is what would you say, um, what would happen if, say, Nike got in contact with you and they were like, oh, your prices start from 2K? Um, Well, firstly, they wouldn't get in contact with me because they'd be like, that's too little money. We ain't touching him. But (laughs) 
my, I wish my, more clients were like that. <laughs> my 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 goal is to make a certain amount of money each year. Yeah. yeah. So this is something I see from like Melissa Yeager. Yeager. Um, mm-hmm. She charges, I think, how much is it for an identity? I think she charges $10,000 for an identity. I think it was, yeah. And, but she, she only has so many clients a year. She only mm-hmm. does like eight or 10 clients a year. And I'm like, well, if I had 10 clients a year at 10 grand, that's a hundred grand a year. Yep. Why the hell would I, like, what, if my goal is to earn 50,000 pounds a year, why don't I just do five 10K or five or 10 5K? And if that's, if your personal goal is to hit a certain number rather than just earn as much as you can, I think that's so much better than just being like, oh, I'm just going to try and get as much money as I can. I'm like, I don't care. I literally don't care enough to be like, oh, I'm going to like charge someone 100K instead of 10K. Like, I just want to hit my goal (laughs) and have a goal rather than just being like, I need money. Yeah, exactly. But I think a lot of designers, at least right now, when they are hitting a certain point of, when they have enough clients, they're shifting their priorities in that way. Because, you know, most designers are at the beginning, like, I want to earn as much money as I can, because it's a risky game. But then they are getting all of these clients uh, at a low, like a low price. And they're realizing that their personal life is probably going to suffer around that too. So then they're moving up their prices and realizing that they probably want to have less clients and more money than than the other way around that's exactly that's always the the shifts that designers are going through yeah so. especially when you need to be self-aware enough to be like hey i want to get this much money a year mm-hmm. yeah rather that's than just the kind of, yeah that's the kind of goal that people should be having though yeah because people aren't way too vague as well when they're you know trying to get their goals ready for the next year for example they're like, I want to have worked on a 5K client or I want to have worked on this kind of client or this type of job or this type of project. And I want to be able to charge this amount of money for a logo, for example. But they're not, they're just thinking about the the goal of getting one project or one client or one type of project or, you know, but not the, the bigger picture of where you want to be day to day in a way. I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> it makes sense. You just have to be self-aware enough to say, that's not for me, or this is for me. Yeah. But most people don't even think about that, which is why you need a group of friends who are going to tell you your logo looks like a swastika. And on <laughs> that note, I'm bringing the show to a close because I have to go and record another show. And Lisa has been so gracious to spend a Sunday afternoon straight after an event to come and speak to me. So Lisa, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet. You can find me on Lisa Jacobs Design on Instagram. Uh, I think also Lisa Jacobs or Lisa Jacobs Design on Dribble. I don't know what's... I believe it is, yeah. Yeah. And then also on Behance, Lisa Jacobs. And my website is lisajacobs.com. I think it's lisajacobsdesign.com. Sorry. All of of those links are going to be down in the description today. Thank you to Lisa for joining us and talking for well over an hour at this point. And again, if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a big five-star review or Lisa is going to come to your house and yell at you. Um, That's true. 
<laughs> oh, you actually said that's true. Most people just laugh at that. Okay, <laughs> she's going to come get you guys. So leave us a review and I will check them out and read them out on the next solo episode of The Foul Hour. And don't forget, go down to the description. You can get two free months of Skillshare by going to skl.sh slash design. Two free months, 30,000 classes. Go get started. And we'll see you guys same time next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye for now.